senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman! Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. And this is, at least for now, <laughs> unless we can think of a better title going through, uh, episode 12, The Growing Kick of Empathy. I like that. That's good. I mean, it takes away from the the fist or fisting. Or the Fist of Empathy is a very, very different kind of show. <laughs> it's it's a very niche website. <laughs> and it's it's hard to... How does one fist with empathy? Well, man, that looks like it hurt. Does that hurt? <laughs> Stop shrieking and communicate with me. Wait, wait, be more empathetic. Twack, I'm trying to twack. make a connection with your lower intestine. All right, the one problem with these new popper stoppers is I can't beat this against my forehead for a good thwacking sound. Uh, yeah, but at least, <laughs> so we, we've sort done of gently bounces off. Yeah, we, we've done a minor equipment <laughs> upgrade. The the first of several. Uh, here at the Crisis on Infinite Midlife's home office, one of which was the blistering <laughs> and and high tech foam popper stopper. To so it does every time you say pee, it doesn't blow your goddamn ears out. But it's fluffy. But yes, so now you can't bounce the mic off your forehead like a different kind of niche video <laughs> on the internet. Now, how and, am I supposed to abuse myself for laughs? <laughs> uh, f- for laugh niche oh god <laughs> i don't want to see who subscribes to that website make me laugh you bitch <laughs> jesus uh and this is on top of a i i realize the podcast is a day late which is a hell of a thing to say for a podcast that took two years off but you know, we were gonna tape it last night and we uh went out to visit amanda's mom for easter and i left my car on the uh, front street and some of our fine Local youths decided it would be excellent and good, clean fun to punch holes in my convertible roof. Because it's April vacation. Yeah, so it's uh, it's very difficult to talk about genre issues with any kind of good humor when you would just want to go door to door and choke the living shit out of everybody under 15. Moms, dads, look, it's April vacation. Let your kids play Xbox. It's, this whole going outside to play thing leads to nothing but heartache. It's it's not healthy when I choke the shit out of them. <laughs> this has been a public service yeah. announcement. No, and, and to quote Doug Stanhope, you know it's the kids, because who's doing this kind of thing? The elderly? No. No. So, so yeah, and today also is a wonderful day of uh, running to the local upholsterer and filing a claim and getting an, uh, getting an appraisal done. So, But now I know it's going to be taken care of. So yes. I'm in much better humor, but but none of this actually has to do with comics. And what did you want to talk about about comics today, Rob? Um, my car. <laughs> my car is excellent. It is red. <laughs> I don't know how one flats that color, but it is awesome. <laughs> well, it's not necessarily. It anything... is one of the four colors, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> but it's not necessarily anything I wanted to talk about. It's just over the the last week or so, there's been. A huge uproar in the comics world of, about serious misogyny around. Uh, first, there was the uh, Janelle Asselin uh, critique of the Teen Titans cover and mentioning gently that uh, perhaps uh, one might think of 
maybe gearing this toward more of a female audience because that's the audience of the cartoon and we didn't really want to touch that with a 10 foot pole because what do you what the fuck are you going to say that it's reprehensible to threaten somebody sexually because you don't like their taste in comics yeah i mean there's a subset of fans out there who feel that it's a closed sandbox and short of i don't know calling them out like physically to their face repeatedly i don't i don't know what's going to change their minds um it does it is heartening that there is a a larger more vocal group out there that is willing to say shit to them back but haters gonna be haters well it's (laughs) just the kind of limp dick demasculated scumbag that would punch holes in a man's fucking roof just because it's out in front of his house i bet this guy gets laid all the time (laughs) i'm never gonna get laid i'm gonna stab his roof with my one inch yeah all right we'll just leave it there (laughs) let's stop with one inch it doesn't have to go any further (laughs) so we weren't we weren't even gonna touch that because it's not a hell of a lot to say but then Sort of on the lighter, stupider, funnier side of the same damn coin. What what was the thing that you found? Oh, God, so this guy Landry Quinn Walker, um, who is at Landry Quinn uh, Landry Q Walker on Twitter, uh, found this T-shirt that I, I guess existed firstly on um, Deviant Art. Um, it says, "I like fangirls how I like my coffee," and then there's a, a sad coffee cup and a puddle of its own wet. It says, I hate coffee. And I, I gather that at WonderCon, it was for sale at um, booth 888, Tankhead Custom Tees. Um, and there was a, a, a kerfuffle on the internet because it's a dumbass t-shirt, but it highlights that if you are of that closed sandbox mindset, you can get yourself a uniform so people can identify you on site. <laughs> Which is a wise choice if you <laughs> never want to get laid. But I mean, honestly, they should have. It, it's a black T-shirt. They should have made it a red shirt. Like, <laughs> oh, no, that, that's the it's lowest one of the four form. Colors. <laughs> well, it, that was the first problem we had, despite all the underlying issues. As comedians, that's a shitty joke. It is. That's objectively a. You could objectively do a vastly better joke off the top of your head. I mean, they couldn't have said, "I like my coffee." I like my fangirls like I like my coffee jammed into the fridge and shot into space. Like, yeah, I like my fangirls like I like my coffee uh, ground into small bits and covered in boiling water. It, I, I like my fangirls like I like my steak uh, on fire and chopped to small pieces. <laughs> I like my fangirls like I like my car uh, laying in the street with holes in it. <laughs> like my fangirls like yeah. I like my coffee. What's a fangirl? Yeah, what's a girl? <laughs> what's a girl? <laughs> like, um, so. It was not a great joke to start with. No. I mean, if you're going to be a dick, at least be a little artistic about it, for Christ's sake. It's not difficult. We're sober and came up with those. But more to the point, like, really, you got to, I don't know, it's it's a stupid t-shirt. Well, it's, <laughs> I don't understand the constant, it, it, it's like a geyser. You can almost see it. Every time a convention pops up, something like this happens. I don't understand dudes hatred fear whatever of fangirls who the fuck else are you gonna date if you're a geek i i don't know i mean i i found you and i'm a lucky son of a bitch Thanks. you know we <laughs> that we already read a lot of the same comics you asked me about some books 
and you told me about some books, and it's been 14 years, and and, and we're we're doing fine. Tens of long boxes later. <laughs> yeah, but, but it, seriously, why would you get upset about it? Well, I, I think it's it, it comes down to there are people out there, and this is not a defense, but there are people out there that that get myopic about who they believe belong in their community because they've had the community to themselves for so long and you know they're they're the heroes of their own story oh i got beat up as a child and now so and so with the six pack abs claims that he's a geek fuck him and fuck olivia munn because she dates him or you know whatever it's <laughs> well i can sort of see it but the one saving grace when as one of those kids who got swirled and beat up and had the dark knight returns slapped out of his arms in the hallway in high school this the saving grace of that was the two or three people you knew who were into that same shit yeah and for me it was mostly dudes what was it like for you i mean you've always read comics um i mean it wasn't i never had an issue particularly because i read what i wanted to read regardless but i also wasn't particularly social so i wasn't really worried about trying to have a conversation with a girl or a guy about what I liked. I read what I read and that was it. That was, <laughs> that was the be and all, be all and end all of it. I had friends that I would go see movies with. I, one of my fondest memories was going to go see Ghostbusters with my friend Kelly. And we didn't see anything wrong with it. <laughs> um, you know, we were, I, I was 12 cause I'm a December baby, but <laughs> you know, it, it didn't occur to me that I should be not going to go see it cause I was a girl. Um, I think I was Peter Venkman that Halloween. It's Dr. Venkman. <laughs> and we're done watching Ghostbusters in the home office. But I, it, it, it never occurred to me that I couldn't like something or not like something. And I understand that there are whole groups of women, unfortunately, out there who have been made to feel for whatever reason that it's it's not something that should be encouraged or that they they have faced awful harassment um and that's that's unfortunate that that continues in this day and age i i wish that there were i wish that people didn't feel compelled to be assholes but i think it's also in terms of in terms of that sort of thing i was lucky in that in any kind of situation growing up if i was if I if I was in a situation where I was made to feel uncomfortable, my parents gave me very clear advice what to do. Uh, my dad's was to punch them in the face. Um, <laughs> my mother's was to go and tell on them. So I had a choice between I could punch them in the face or I could be a snitch. So I just avoided people. <laughs> and considering once you broke my wrist while wrestling... I'm guessing you had more practice with the punch in the face. That's the right. reason I took up field hockey. Yeah. So, but it's all. I, I think I know the answer to this because you know, we live together here in the home office. But you know, we've been a very low level part of the comics world for two or three years now. Um, have you faced anything like what people are having a problem with? I have not, but. You know, to be fair, um, I my fallback tends to be humor, and I I don't 
I know that I've had some people take shots at me in various online forums, but I always find a way to make a joke out of it and flip it back. And I've never gotten into a situation where, you know, by the end of it, somebody, somebody is screaming at me, sandwich bitch, I don't have one. Um, that, that is true. <laughs> and since we both have a stand-up comedy background, we've both been heckled to our faces yeah. by extremely surly people. Yeah. You you develop a thick skin about people shrieking at you. It's Yeah, I mean, but that doesn't mean that it's not out there happening to other people. Um and, and oh, yeah, for and no I'm, good goddamn reason. Yeah, I'm not saying that it is. It, yeah. And it, oh, no, no, and I'm not saying that you're not saying that. I'm just saying like my experience is not typical of many other women. It would seem based on what I have read on the internet, perhaps I'm lucky. I don't participate in cosplay. Um, <laughs> um yeah, me neither. Nobody needs to see all of this in spandex. Um, on the other hand, though, I don't really mind getting ogled either, but nobody's groped me. I've seen stories about people being groped. I, again, though, my fallback is a punch to the nose that usually takes care of. <laughs> yeah. And actually, uh, yeah, without going into that story, you took care of that one guy completely outside of comics who, who groped you. Yeah, you didn't need my help with that fucker. But... But th- again, that doesn't mean violence isn't the answer, kids. Um, <laughs> it's an answer. It's Let's an be fair. Answer. <laughs> but uh, again, it's it's unfortunate that there are people out there who see this sort of humor as as being where they want to go with their own story. I guess um, there there are other funnier ways to express yourself. If you don't like women in general, that's your prerogative. I'm sorry. What's but <laughs> I don't understand the fake geek girl thing because I've met uh, I dated a fake geek girl by which I mean she would look me in the face and go oh we'll go to the comic store I love comics she never bought anything she never she loved the idea of comics yeah, she but never she more loved the idea of being with you uh, yeah I could have I could have said let's go to the cockfight sweetie and <laughs> she would have gone. There are plenty of people out there, I think both male and female, who are willing to evince an interest in the other person's interests in order to try to forge a bond with them. I don't know that it necessarily makes them a fake person. I think it just makes it sort of sad that they feel they have to adopt those interests rather than saying, oh, let let me explore your interest. Yeah, well, on a one-on-one <clears throat> basis, I think that happens all the time. Everybody, yeah. you know, plasters on a fake smile on the first three or four dates and goes, oh, yeah, that's very interesting. And usually by the fifth or sixth date, it's there is no, it's over. So. Yeah, there's no seventh date. <laughs> but, I mean, that's the only fake geek girl I've seen. Um, and I wouldn't, even, I, again, I wouldn't even call that an example of being a fake geek girl. I well, think that was somebody who just wanted to be with you. <laughs> well, and, yeah, I was using the example somewhat facetiously. But, but I mean, the stereotypical fake geek girl is, you know, what, what, how could that person possibly be interested in insert fandom here? They have boobs and are attractive, and they would never have given me the time of day in high school. Well, that's just flat insecurity. That yeah. has nothing to do but with... But that's, that's where that t-shirt comes from. Yeah. That's it's exactly where that t-shirt comes from. And those are people who probably don't have many friends. Not only do they not have many female friends, they probably don't have any male friends. They're... If they want to use stereotypes about women, okay, fine. They're in mom's basement. 
they're they're spewing their vitriol onto the internet because they don't actually have to see somebody who could potentially punch them in the nose or break their wrist. Like, <laughs> yeah, and I think that probably is a big part of it. If you leap to the assumption, oh, you can't possibly like the things I do, you must be a fake. You're preemptively, yeah, you know, rejecting them so they can't reject you. And we've all known that trick since sixth grade. Some of us outgrow it, yeah. and become grown ups. Which I know is a hell of a thing to say for a guy who has comic book art all over the walls, but grown and, and some of us are metaphorically trapped in the locker in which we were stuffed in seventh grade and have never yet emerged psychologically to see the light of day. Part of me will never get out of it. You're out of the locker. Yeah, I, I promise you, you're out of the locker. You don't buy a car like that to have it vandalized on the street. <laughs> Motherfucker! <laughs> if you haven't gotten out of the locker. And, uh, the other thing I see a lot of, and I can kind of... I can only kind of understand this, that people get irritated about particular niches of fandom that they identify with females liking. I've seen online people complain about if I have to hear about Twilight, if I have to hear about Supernatural. And I I can understand the point of view of that doesn't interest me, but it's... I can't see how it makes somebody a fake just because they like a sub-genre that's different than you. I don't understand manga love and it's just it's not something beyond one or two i saw adventure time for the first time the other day i was able to get through about five minutes of it because i was sober um (laughs) i don't get it i'll give it another try at some point probably um with a lot of whiskey but there are rabid fans of it out there and you know what good on them that's their thing yeah but it's (laughs) it's no different than uh, at my day job you know, my boss and one of my coworkers, huge into hockey, talk about hockey all the time. I don't have anything to contribute to that conversation. It's as legitimate a fandom as I have of comic books. It it doesn't make them bad people. It's just something, all right, well, that's not something I'm interested in. I certainly wouldn't say, how dare you occupy my airspace talking about people fighting without superpowers. But, uh, you know, this happens in... Any fandom in any area of life. I I was very active for a time on various food and cooking boards. Not because I'm a girl, but because I like food, because without it, you die. And (laughs) um, I I am the author of the Sandra Lee drinking game. Um, And for the the foodie fandom, there there is... um, Sandra Lee is someone who is generally hated and reviled because she dumbed down food. How dare you come into our sandbox? We make our our white sauces from scratch with a roux like God intended. I make my white sauce from (laughs) scratch, but there's no roux. I'm going to leave that right there. (laughs) Um, This is the kick to the groin of empathy. Um, I guess. But, you know, it, she came in and said, packaged mixes are fine. And and look, I'm going to I'm going to buy this apple pie and scrape out the insides to to put it into another dessert that isn't apple pie and see how easy that is. Fuck you, Sandra Lee. But on the other hand, with a few years of, of perspective, she brought people into the food community that might otherwise not have come in. I wouldn't make any of her recipes. In fact, I gave one of her recipes for beer margarita to a coworker that I hated specifically <laughs> because I hated her and told her that it was awesome and that she should make it. <laughs> You're the worst kind of person. I am. I am. Oh, we forgot to turn the ringers off. Ignore that phone. 
That's that's the Sandra Lee fan club. They're coming for me. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Is that a New York area code? Oh, it's Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> the Canadian Sandra Lee fans are hey, coming Christ, for me. the Canadians are after us. Um, but my point is that it, it, there there are other fandoms outside of comics, and that they, they have their polarizing figures and movements, and that ultimately, um, a, a very wise mom said to her child one day when they were bringing their lunch to school, "Eat what you want. If somebody makes fun of you, you tell them, don't yuck my yum." And don't Nobody's look at me like that. <laughs> But, I mean, I think you just have to have to just own that there are people out there that like stuff, and, and you shouldn't feel that it waters down your own experience as a fan because there are people out there that you don't identify with. Well, it, or it, that you feel, and that you shouldn't feel threatened by other people because there are, like, another six billion of them on the planet. Just learn to live with it. That's right. When they gang up on you, you're fucked. <laughs> yeah. And more than half of them are women. So, <laughs> but it's this kind of thing happens. It, it just occurred to me the the, the pink hats. You know, we live in Boston, so yeah. while I'm not the world's biggest Red Sox fan, you see people complaining. You know, oh, these girls—they're only on the bandwagon since they started winning. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Look, there, there's women's. Look. Yeah. You can look at them. It's a girl at the bar who, who ostensibly says she likes the same stuff as you. Who are you going to talk to? You know, the, the skank and fuck me heels popping gum who would never talk to anybody without a... Maybe she secretly plays Stratomatic. You don't know. Go talk to her. Oh, wait, you can't. Yeah. So Get another whiskey in you. Now try again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the first part of that advice. <laughs> I'd do that in about an hour, but... And... I don't know. The, the other thing that's been coming up is the the sheer hatred in, in that uh, Janelle Aslan piece about suggestions that Teen Titans maybe should be written more with a female audience in mind. And I cannot understand why anybody would go berserk over that. We're talking about number one, just that example, Teen Titans, which has been through four reboots off the top of my head At since least, the original yeah. inception where somebody fucked up and said oh wonder girl that's a legitimate character so right <laughs> out of the gate the thing is fucked up to start with it, why not take a shot at a female audience you know we had scott labdell who most decidedly does not write for a female audience now with brett booth who does cheesecake art and that book just folded you know it, Clearly, they're not going in a vastly different direction. Why is that a bad suggestion to look for another audience? Clearly, if there was a huge audience for it to start with, the thing would be fucking booming. Yeah, I, I honestly, I am not up on the sales figures of that book um, while it was under the Lobdell booth run or um, what they're anticipating going forward. Kenneth Rockefort, on the art, love him or hate him, he has... As many people out there who who love his art as there are people out there who love Greg Land's art, yeah. <laughs> World's full of spastics. Uh, no, it... Again, I'm not going to yuck anybody's yum. Um... <laughs> oh damn it! I'm making that a thing. I am making that a thing. And I will find ways to misconstrue <laughs> it. That's just what I do. Um, We've established like four times in the show. I will dive into the gutter. I don't mind. Uh, yeah, you know. It's all I'm good at. <laughs> But it, it, at the same time, it, again, I don't know the sales figures of the book. I would I would imagine 
that since they're not going in a vastly different direction, they, they found no reason in their own market research. And I'm not apologizing for them. I'm just, I would imagine that DC Auditorial in their own market research had no particular reason to go in a vastly different direction. That, that could be my only, and, and as far as the Teen Titans go and, and Tiny Titans and that kind of thing, I believe they have that or have had that for their, their youth market as something that, that has been published. So that market is being served. Yeah, and you can make the argument that the people, you know, male or female, who loved that show as children, that's been, what, about 10 years since the first one came out? So, yeah. you know, those would be people interested probably in a more adolescent story. And my understanding is this new reboot has them more in a school. So it, it's probably on some level art subtracted sort of geared to that audience anyway yeah so yeah there's there is a, a teen titans go comic book series i don't know if it's currently in um uh, yeah that's the old dc bullet you're looking at there at least has been one yeah i mean so it does exist out there as a thing in the world um yeah the old one <laughs> with the the bullet stamp dc logo is available as a free-to-read pdf right now on on DC Nation Comics. Yeah, but uh, you know what? As people get older, they want more adult stories. Like when I was a little kid, yeah, I read some Spider-Man, but I read Spidey Super Stories because that's what I saw in Electric Company. Yeah. As I got older, I wanted stories more geared toward adulthood. So it makes sense, at least based on the plot summaries I've heard of the new Teen Titans one, that it seems like maybe story-wise it's a good match. That said, if you're looking to attract a female readership, do you necessarily want somebody drawn it who you know draws balloon tits and you know well i mean but in and and i'm not being an apologist in many other facets of popular media there are plenty of 20 something young women with implants playing teenagers so these are images right or wrong that teenage girls are used to seeing yeah and uh just post-adolescent boys, because if wouldn't for wouldn't hadn't have been for that, I wouldn't have been able to masturbate to Beverly Hills 90210. I'm learning so much today. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing good. Nothing good. The more you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, what if they had decided to go with a different artist? You know, would would the uh, strapless battle armor? I should put air quotes around that battle armor. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, you know, for the, the skin-tight tube top? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's battle armor. Be any less jarring and stupid-looking as, as a, a function, functional battle choice if it had been drawn by somebody with a more stylized approach. You know, we, I think we talked about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, if it was something like Bill Sienkiewicz, you know, who drew a similar-ish for Elektra and Elektra Assassin, it's clearly not meant to be realistic, it probably would have had a different effect. You know, uh, Amanda Connor draws very sexualized Power Girl costumes um, where one wonders how the super boobies don't just go flying free unless part of her mythos is that she has her own personal gravitational field that keeps the, the girls in there. <laughs> um, I just... <laughs> Uh, forget it. I, Twelve <laughs> jokes that would get me crucified just came into my head, and I'm just going to leave those alone. But I mean, again, is it is it right or wrong to draw uh, Wonder Girl that way? Well, in theory, she's 18 at this point in in the new 52 universe. Yeah. Um, as someone who has been in public school buildings, have you seen what the girls are wearing, regardless of what they say in the handbook? May or may not be the the school dress code. 
walk into any Abercrombie and Fitch. It's yeah. So culturally, there's a certain amount to be said pointing toward that's okay. There's not a lot I can say about it. I'm I'm the target audience. I am a white dude in his 40s with disposable income to throw around on comics. In theory, they're trying to sell it to me. Um, well, and, and and if the worst thing with that comic book is that she's wearing a tank top or a tube top, um, and 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 oh no, we're exploiting the teenagers. Um, Tara Markov was fucking Deathstroke at the age of fourteen in Marv Wolfman's run. To be fair, drawn as a legitimate fourteen-year-old. Yes, smoking looked, and doing rails. She looked rails. like a gymnast with tiny little boobies and. Yeah. <laughs> Making it that much more disturbing. <laughs> yeah, so a legitimately sexualized teenager yeah. who, who didn't look it. Right. Oh, now I feel filthy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And but... those are the Teen Titan stories we grew up on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> Maybe it... that's why we're inured to that. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, Marv Wolfman and George <laughs> Perez ripped up the original Teen Titans that I read when I was a little kid, added two new female characters to it, and I don't think anybody batted an eye. It was one of the biggest selling comics in the world. But, you know, it, it doesn't change the fact that, well. it Sometimes you have to reimagine properties and you have to think about new audiences. Yeah. But, you know, I was thinking about it and nobody has a problem with Ultimate Spider-Man. Well, there was a certain amount of, of, of fan outcry from, from, again, the closed sandbox people. But Bendis had the the vision that he wanted and he moved forward regardless and sometimes it just takes someone with enough juice to decide you know what i'm going this way yeah and a good story is a good story and if you're gonna let something small like that get in the way right you know what are you protecting now i peter parker was my first superhero now he still exists in old ultimate stories in ultimate spider-man 200 they just you know, gave him a great two-year-old eulogy. Mm-hmm. You know, he still exists in Amazing Spider-Man, although for about a year there was no Peter Parker and Dan Slott got death threats. I don't understand a lot of the people who love the things I love, I think is what it comes down to. Yeah, and we don't know ultimately what the new writer, whose name escapes me for Teen Titans, is going to do with this. Uh, you know, maybe Donna Troy will finally be reintroduced and will bring Cassie Sandsmark an oversized sweatshirt and tell her to put it on. <laughs> we don't know. Um, <laughs> Anything is possible. <laughs> and send her home from school and, and suggest to her that perhaps there are better choices she could make. We don't know. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, it comes down, I just don't understand certain i don't understand a large percentage of humanity that's why i have very few friends and try not to talk people because they talk to people because they piss me off yeah but ultimately people are what you people are generally nice enough when you talk to them it's just unfortunate that there are some very tiny people who hide behind keyboards and act like assholes. Yeah, look, I took enough shit growing up for reading comic books. Uh, I wouldn't imagine giving somebody else shit for the same thing. Uh, what kind of a douchebag are you? Yeah, if you're defensive because you've always been picked on for reading comics, to turn around and pick on somebody else. And... Well, that's yeah, that's that's the cycle of abuse continuing, is what that is. Yeah, I mean, and 
you know, I, what kind of person am I? I'm the kind of person who sees somebody with an overblown hot rod with a spoiler that's far too big to, to be reasonable on their car when it, when they drag down our street. I, I yell out awful things about their penis because I, I feel very sorry for it. <laughs> but, um, I, again, that's it, that's their thing. They love their car. Am I Am I wrong to make fun of them? I don't think I am, but I probably am. Uh, you're not threatening them. <laughs> no, you I'm know, not. You're, you're privately well, it would be, it somebody. It would be threatening to them if they heard it because I'm talking about their penis. It would be, but <laughs> you're privately mocking them, and I will defend anybody to the death the right to laugh at somebody from afar without threatening them. Yes. It just makes me hope that none of the kids on our street read comic books. So I'm still going to beat them down for what happened to my car. <laughs> So that was a long conversation about something we really, <laughs> you know, we were saying late in the week. It's like, Jesus, we don't want to talk about that at all. But Well, I mean, because, you know, at its at its basest level, there is nothing to say beyond, you know, the, the Will Wheaton principle, don't be a dick. Um, <laughs> well, don't be a direct dick. You don't want to sit in your room and be a dick all by yourself. Go right ahead. And that's why you're all by yourself. I know. It sucks so much. <laughs> Let's move on to a happier topic. Yes. Um, so I didn't even know this was coming out, but uh, it was it at the Tribeca Film Festival a few days ago? Yes. Uh, was uh, About three or four days ago. Yeah. Uh, a movie debuted called In Your Eyes, who, uh, let's face it, somebody directed it. I'm not entirely sure who, but uh, the important Some thing to, to anybody from fandom is it was uh, written and produced by Joss Whedon. And, yes. <laughs> yeah, it was a a movie, a sort of romance about. <clears throat> excuse me. Supernatural to, romance. Supernatural romance. So. It was uh, directed by Bryn Hill. Bryn Hill. Okay. Um, but yeah, about two people on other sides of the country who can see through each other's eyes, and uh, there's a burgeoning romance. Uh, and there was a trailer that was put up that we'll probably embed in the show notes. Uh, that looked pretty interesting. So. Yeah, then I tuned out. Why don't you take it from there about <laughs> well, what happened next? All right, so I saw, um, where did I see it? I saw in The Hollywood Reporter that um, Whedon made the film available after it was screened at Tribeca on Vimeo, um, and it was available for $5 to watch immediately on demand. And I had no experience with Vimeo other than it was that application that wasn't YouTube. Right. Um, so I did what any normal person would do and immediately downloaded the app to my phone. As <laughs> <laughs> good a place to start as any. <laughs> and then I, I then we tried to search for it, and it was it was really hard to navigate um, the thing because you didn't nothing came up as apparently the movie it was all things that seemed to be the trailer yeah we we did a search and yeah it was just the trailer that came up and uh various uh, soulful and heartfelt out covers of tune of... covers of peter gabriel <laughs> and good for those folks i'm not gonna yuck their yum um <laughs> taking it back um <laughs> from nobody nobody took it from you nobody wanted it Anyway. Anyway. Um, trouble finding it. Trouble finding it. So uh, eventually I, I went on the full site and discovered that, um, and, I, and I did set up an account through Vimeo, um, a free free account, um, that they had their own specific section of the site that was all the on-demand stuff. I got it on on-demand, 
Um, I downloaded it. Once you download something um, that... Uh, just to interject the on-demand, was there payment involved? Yes. Because was, I had no part of this. So It was $5, um, and you could either do it through a credit debit card or PayPal account. Um, okay. And, and you could do it right through your phone. Yep, you do it right through your phone. Okay. Or, or on the, the computer, but I used my cell phone. And <clears throat> from there, um, once you get the the rental and have paid for it, it's good for 72 hours for as many repeated showings as you'd like to partake of. Um, from there, it goes into your watch later queue, um, as opposed to differentiate it from the My Videos, which is stuff that you've uploaded. Okay. Um, That's why I couldn't find anything there. <laughs> um, it was in the watch later... Then we said, well, there's, unlike the YouTube app, because we both rock and Android devices, there's on YouTube um, a widget for throwing it up on your TV because our TV can see our phones. Um, yeah, the, we have YouTube apps both on uh, our TV and on our TiVo. We have an honest-to-God TiVo, not, yep. a, not something from the cable company. But Vimeo, at least from the phone app, didn't seem to have anything obvious that would let it throw it to your TV the way that YouTube does. So you looked around through the, the Opera um, yeah. store, which is the browser that the TiVo uses? Yeah, um, on uh, the TiVo Romeo, which is their latest model, uh, they, there's an Opera app store, which apes the app store of an Opera browser, and certain apps that you can plug right into the browser you can use, and Vimeo was one of them. So, so you yeah, got at, that installed. Yeah, at that point, yeah, I was able to get it installed and get the thing wired up and we were able to find it in yeah th then we connected it to my account so that it went to my watch later queue yeah and um, we were able to pull it up from there well, and... well that did we didn't pull it up right away from there what we did was you say all right play and then it buffered and 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 then it said not available for this television <laughs> and then there was hate and rage and wailing and gnashing of teeth yes and then i hit play again and then it played um so, yay, success. So we started playing. And, and the movie itself, we'll, I'll get into in a second. But I do want to speak to that particular app as it works with the TiVo. The playback of this particular movie um, was not smooth. Yeah, um, no, it was uh, very skippy. Yeah, it, it hitched a lot. Um, which And it came across as very similar to experiences... I've had where you have a movie that was originally filmed in PAL format, um, which for those of you who are unfamiliar, Rob, what is PAL format? It's a 25 frame per second uh, video playback format that's used basically everywhere in the civilized world except the United States and Japan. <laughs> yeah, so if you try to take one of those and, and reformat it so that it will play on NTSC, is that the? Yeah. Um, which is what, 24 frames? 24. For it's either twenty three point nine seven or twenty nine point nine seven frames per second. So I have never pirated video off the internet <laughs> and converted it between formats in my life. I'm not answering any fucking questions without my lawyer here. I think the important thing to take away from this is that um, it's at least been viewed by one of us, um, not pirated <laughs> movies, but formatted, reformatted movies, yes. and it had similar hitching issues. Right. So. <clears throat> That was, again, I don't know if that is Vimeo itself. I don't know if it's that particular app and how it played back. I don't know if it had to do with how it streamed, but it was a little off-putting. 
get, I only spent yeah. $5, but... It, was, it wasn't it was unwatchable by any stretch of the imagination, but it was a little distracting. Yeah. It, it was, was like frames were yanked out here and there or pushed back in here and there. Right. Um, and then there was also the issue that about 45 minutes in, it just it shit the bed and quit. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was infuriating. Like, um, oh, I think something good's about to happen. Oh, oh I guess I'll never know. <laughs> yeah, it just stopped dead like the stream stopped, which is very possible. We may have lost internet for a minute, but once it stopped with that particular app. Well, it fucked everything up, though, because I couldn't... It, once once it was no longer available on, on the TV app, it was also I couldn't pull it up on the computer. It was no longer... It was as though I had spent $5 on nothing. <laughs> you know, we were able to get it back because I logged on to an actual PC and was able to find it. Once I logged in, it was yeah available sort of on your home page, but I had to yep. manually go in and put it in the watch later queue mm-hmm. so that the app could see it again. Yes. But then it had no concept of where we were in the movie when yeah. it happened. Despite the fact that the setting said, you know, resume from where you left yeah, off. Yeah, well, the problem with that was the progress bar, like which is a similar to any progress bar at the bottom of any YouTube video, started with 0.0 seconds and ended with not a number. So <laughs> so clearly it had no idea they how to said, scale nah, this thing. Not available. Yeah. <laughs> no. So it was, we were able to watch it on an honest-to-God television, um, which was helpful. It was not without uh, issues. Obviously, unless you've got, I assume if you have my understanding of Chromecast, if you get a Chromecast, you can just dial it up on a Chrome tab and chuck it up to the TV. Otherwise, yeah, unless you've got something with a Vimeo app, I'm not sure what other platforms have it. Uh, Or you have a TiVo Romeo, which gives you the Opera app to simulate a Vimeo app. You're not going to be able, you're going to have to watch it on a computer or on your phone, like some kind of common savage or irritating there, there are more people the out subway. there though that have I, I guess are consuming their media that way i am not typically one of them i like sitting on a couch and looking at a large picture but well i mean it's hard to get drunk and be pantsless when you're watching a movie on your phone on the bus they look down <laughs> on it trust yeah. me i know yeah and that's not even i'm not gonna make another yuck your yum i'm not <laughs> <laughs> if someone offers to yuck your yum on a city bus you mace that yum motherfucker in the eyes yum your that's even worse <laughs> Because it's more likely to be a yuck if someone's doing it on a city bus. So you just fire your pepper spray and get off at the next stop. Don't do drugs, kids. Um, <laughs> what were we talking about? <laughs> the movie itself, though, moving on to that, it, it was an enjoyable, almost fluffy, because um, there were a couple of moments that were that were a little little darkish. But it, it, was, it was about as fluffy, I think, as Joss Whedon ever gets. Well, it's... It's weird talking about this on a, a comics genre podcast because the only thing genre about this is these people can see through each other's eyes. Right. There's no explanation whatsoever. Nope. It just sort of happens at one point in their lives because reasons. And, <laughs> but, Not even because reasons, just because. Yeah, well, and they literally address that at one point. Uh, the dude character, uh, what's his name? Um, Dylan. Yeah, Dylan. Uh who was played by, you've got the IMDb. Michael Stahl David. Yeah, but he he says, hey, I think I know why this is happening to us, because why not? So, I mean, that's the entirety of this. Yeah. It is technically genre, this thing is happening. Yeah. But it's... It was a kinder way of saying because shit happens. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it really is very much far more romantic comedy, not even romantic comedy, a romance, than... Yeah. A it's, genre it's, story. It's as though someone took the notebook and said, "Hey, what if what if they could read each other's brains?" Or <laughs> yeah, um, 
that said, the dialogue, it's got Joss Whedon written all oh, yeah. over it. Yeah, great one-liners. Um, yeah. I don't want to give too many away. Uh, the one where they they realize they're seeing through each other's eyes, and she says, oh, my God, you're an actual person. Oh, that's the sweetest thing anybody's said to me all day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you got any you remember off the top uh, of your head? She's like, I just thought you were PMS. She's like, I get that a lot or something yeah, like that. Yeah, <laughs> people confuse us all the time. Yeah. And, so, yeah, the dialogue is is killer. Um, the dialogue is killer. There there are some loosey-goosey moments with, with, with the plot to further some things along. Um, the character that is um, the the female lead's husband comes off as immediately dislikable, um, which leads to... Yeah, that guy was very much 80s romantic comedy, collar-popped John Hughes douchebag. Yeah, 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 very much. Um, and, and so... As a, as a female watching it, I was immediately um, rooting for this, the, the charismatic uh, loser ex-con. And immediately... And, and as a criminal, I was rooting for the... I said too much. <laughs> and, and also, I was immediately angry with uh, the Zoe Kazan character. Because I'm just like, just get a spine! <laughs> yeah. Like, she was supposed to be a somewhat broken character to begin with, yeah. so I could sort of understand it. And they well, because and... spoilers, she slams into a tree in the first three minutes of the movie. Well, <laughs> massive head trauma doesn't lead anyone to grow up to be their best. No, and they do say that she's had some some mental health issues over time, but still, it was very. Uh, as someone who studied critical theory in literature in college, I was, there's a moment where she finds herself again. Spoilers in an insane asylum where her husband has placed her. And I'm like, it's the yellow wallpaper all over again. Jesus. <laughs> like, like, Joss even... Whedon read that too. <laughs> I didn't even pick up on that, but I was mostly reading comic books when I was supposed to be reading the yellow wallpaper. But... So, I, you know, there, there are a couple of, of moments where I'm like, ah, just if I was her friend, I wish she has no friends. That's part of her problem. <laughs> yeah. it's. Uh, I'll give it credit. There was an extremely credible, constant conversation and chemistry between yes. uh, Dylan and Zoe. Is that it? Dylan, her character's name is Rebecca. Rebecca. Um, considering, it, at least on paper, they were shot separately. The conversation was done separately. They can't make any eye contact. Yep. Um, so I was really impressed with the acting and the direction in that because it was very easy for me to buy these people are having a conversation. Yeah. Uh, and as somebody who talks to himself constantly, yeah, uh, okay, they seem crazier than I do. Which There's is a... funny because, you know, I, I don't, I know I do occasionally mutter things to myself when I'm home by myself, but I, I have vivid memories of taking an acting class in college and we were supposed to come in and ape roughly three minutes of our routine coming home. And so people would come in and like, oh, I, I'm taking off my jacket. I'm getting yogurt out of the fridge and sitting down. And mundane shit. She excoriated anybody who talked to themselves. People don't really do that. That's that's an affect that people do for movies and plays so that you can you can address inner monologue that you might otherwise not know. And I'm gonna be like, no, bitch. Yeah. Some of us fucking talk to ourselves. <laughs> I do. If I think nobody's around, I, I'll do it. I do it in my car. I mean, because that's the only way, unless I articulate thoughts, sometimes I, that's how I make sense of them and work through problems. It's also how I remind myself who I hate and how I'm going to destroy them. <laughs> but mostly, uh, yeah, I'm 
constantly jabbering to myself. And, you know, when I go out to smoke at my job or something, I think I'm by myself. It's pure hell when I turn around and realize, oh, Jesus, I've been yammering to myself. and There's somebody six feet away I didn't even notice. <laughs> so to see these people in loud, animated conversations, okay, I feel a little less bad about me. Yeah. I'm sure people think I'm just as nuts, but at right. least they've got the decency not to say it to my face. Again, mock quietly in your own home, and I'll defend your right to it. But, but yeah, I mean, definitely solid Joss Whedon dialogue, um, really good acting, and honestly, for five bucks. For five bucks, it's a good time for 72 hours. Yeah, absolutely. So if, you, if you're looking for something to do, maybe you're home alone because you have no friends and women won't talk to you. Um, <laughs> you're writing hateful screeds. Take a minute the... from writing hateful screeds against women on the internet and, and download this. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a comedy. Nobody's going to judge you because no one's going to see you. Um, and you'll really be able to relate to the love scene without giving too much away. <laughs> you're just going to see yourself in that. Maybe you'll just squeeze out a little bit of kindness empathy squeeze out a little empathy yeah, that's what we're calling it now just squeeze out some empathy and take a little nap <laughs> have something to eat <laughs> so definitely worth seeing we'll try to find a direct link to the uh to the purchase site if we can uh find yeah. one add that to the if show not, notes. though it's like vimeo.com whack on demand you really wanted to use whack right after that all Whackity right whack. i'm all right <laughs> Empathy. <laughs> All right. So the show is actually running a little bit uh, long for us. Uh, is there a comic you wanted to talk about? As long as we're on a comics podcast. I We talked about this. I thought Scott Snyder did a bang up job with both of the books that he released this week. Um, Batman Eternal was much better this week. I thought you had some different opinions on it. Um, and I, I really enjoyed um, American Vampire uh, Second Cycle book that came out this week. With the uh, Raphael Albuquerque art, um, I, I thought it was tight. I'm looking forward to the rest of the series. So, I, good on him. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll start with uh, Batman Eternal, which I I do think was a, a little bit tighter, both in art and in uh, in focus than last week's. Um, there were no big sequences. I think it's Jason Fabok art. Hmm. Um, there were no big sequences like in the first issue where it's like, how did Batman get his suit on and how did <laughs> Batman uh, actually get in there? I didn't see him come in. Um, the biggest issue I had with it, uh, and I guess this qualifies as a spoiler, was when Night of the Owls, the, the first arc of Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo's Batman after the new 52 came out, I wrote several reviews and said okay this is this is a fine story and i'm enjoying it but i liked it best when i first read it as the cult by jim starlin uh, <laughs> back in 1988 yes and uh we are nowhere near high enough on the comics press hierarchy to think scott snyder saw any of that but there was a reference in this book i'm like oh no please do he stone name checks the cult and it's not a thing <laughs> that i necessarily want to see See, I I think I overlooked that because I was happy that um, the Roman was back. I, I I see this hopefully as a return. Spoiler to... alert. Oh, yeah. Spoiler <laughs> alert. 
um, a return to form where for a while maybe Batman will just be fighting the mob. Like that, that would be nice. Yeah, I, I <laughs> did like that. One interesting thing I saw in that was when they did the reveal that it was Roman, uh, Catwoman was there and mm-hmm. clearly reacted. Yep. And when we saw Roman, he had claw marks on his face. Which very clearly seemed to me to be a reference to Batman Year One. Yep. Which is weird since we're now in Batman Zero Year, which <laughs> is supposed to sort of supersede-ish Batman yeah, Year Batman One. Batman Eternal takes place outside of Zero Year, right? I mean, yeah, because Zero Year is happening in the past. It's supposed to be a, a reimagining of Batman's origin. So, I mean, meanwhile, it somehow he's cloned himself and he's still looking for Damien. But well, yeah, that's it, neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah, but that's in Batman and Robin or whatever. Right, but I'm just saying, like, so this is, we, we've got some disparate stories going on in what is supposedly a continuity. <laughs> yeah, I just, I thought it was interesting and a little odd that we have kind of superseded year one with zero year. Yep. And we're directly referencing a particular event from Batman year one, three, I think it was. So I guess one would wonder... If anybody at WonderCon brought this up to Snyder, I haven't seen any internet chatter on this. Uh, if there's plans for zero year culminating in a year one that would tie into events that are yeah. now unfolding in Batman Eternal. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure I've read interviews with him where he explains more fully how the two fit together. I'm not sure how they can really fit together considering year one was so tight and started Right kind of where Zero Year did of, okay, he's not quite Batman yet, but he's learning how to do it. Right. It really seems like this should be superseding Year One. So, yeah, however, maybe we'll see that event later on in Zero Year. He certainly at least sort of referenced things that you can see in Year One. Certain Frank Miller, particularly in uh, Capullo's art in Zero Year. Yeah. Very clearly, yep, that looks like Dark Knight Returns. Yep, that's... The only thing that makes me nervous with any kind of cult-like aspect with this um, is I really hope they don't go the route of some crime Bible nonsense uh, because that just that brings me awful flashbacks of the 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 stuff that led into Final Crisis, which well, I just was not down with. The trickier part about that for me is um, the cult very much had to do with a complete takeover of Gotham City and a loss of all order, which is very yep. similar to what's happening in this third act of Zero Year yep. at this point. So to to bring, we've already spoiled it, what the hell, to, to bring <laughs> at least the vision of uh, Deacon Blackfire. Yep. It's a, okay, uh, are we moving toward that kind of story? Because we already have one right now, and Snyder is too good a writer to say, I'm going to do this story and then just do it again over here. But it's the cult. I've got a real soft spot for it. I don't think it necessarily holds up as well as it did. It's not something, you know, it, it was a particular time and place. I think Jim Starlin did fine with it for 1988. Bernie yep. Wrightson's art, you're not going to get a hell of a lot better. The man's you know, one of my favorites. Uh, to see it, all right, let's revisit it. It just seems a little odd because where does that, number one, where does it fit into Batman's history? And number two, we're just doing the same story. It's, yeah, are they trying to shoehorn too much in at once with this? I... Yeah. So, I mean, Gotham, realistically, I'm just sitting here thinking about it. In two and a half years, we've had two stories of basically Gotham under the control of a subversive person or organization. 
undercutting law and order. Maybe we'll do the same story three times because we've kind of had a couple. We'll think good thoughts. Yeah. but uh, <laughs> And when it comes to uh, American Vampire, I'm, I'm going to cop to, I've not really read American Vampire before this. I tried it with the first couple of issues, and I tried it based on Stephen King's name. Yep. And I love Stephen King. I could not get through it. He was not able to write that comic in any way that was interesting to me. I would flip to his parts of Skinner's story, and it just it didn't grab me at all. So I kind of walked off it. Now, I know you've been reading it for a while because you got hooked in uh, at Comic-Con two years ago, three years ago. I think it was like three years, possibly. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we, we wandered into an American Vampire panel because it was the panel before i don't even remember we were camping waiting for something else so we'll, we'll just own that yeah <laughs> and snyder was such a good convention presence and clearly believed in this book so much and was able to sell it you, you ran out and got a few issues so you've been reading it for two or three years now yeah and i he he writes a compelling protagonist in pearl uh who is one of the first american vampires was turned by the skinner sweet character okay now was she the one who was sort of in the, the actress okay the, that was, was trying to make it um, and now she she's sort of a lone gun um, who, in this particular cycle, has been taking in um, foundlings of various vampire species and sort of underground railroading them back to pockets um, and nests of vampires of their own kind so that they can continue to be safe because they're Carpathian or, or typical Dracula-type vampire right. has been... Um, taking over as sort of the the major vampire type and is wiping out all the others. Okay. And <clears throat> one of the things that Skyder has uh, Snyder has done well um is introducing these these different kinds of vampires. And they all have have different properties. Like gold is supposed to take out American vampires as opposed to iron or silver. Okay. Some of them have um Qualities more similar to werewolves. Some of them have more bat-like qualities. Um, so, you know, just when you think he may have exhausted all of the different types of vampires out there, the big bad in this one is potentially the devil. The first infection. The yeah. first evil. Um, Which is fine. But I, <laughs> I had a real problem with that reveal. Because I think he gave up the ghost three pages ahead of time when he showed the picture of Robert Johnson. As they're going through, I forget who it was, looking through pictures of prior victims or vampires, and it showed Robert Johnson. It's like, oh, shit, the bad guy's the devil. I think he stomped on his dick on that one because I knew it was coming. See, and I completely blinked and missed that. So for for those of us that are not as up on Robert Johnson. Well, <laughs> it is, you know classic blues player influenced hundreds of rock guitarists but yeah you know if, if you're not utterly familiar and and that. but i don't want to yuck anyone's yum no but seriously <laughs> like i completely glossed over that so is he is he supposedly the one that went down to the crossroads like yeah. what? okay <laughs> yeah the, the the legend is he... I'm, I'm stupid fill me no, in you're, <laughs> you're not stupid <laughs> uh, yes he's the one the legend is he went to the crossroads sold his soul to the devil who taught him how to play okay he got one great recording yeah, and uh, I completely blinked and missed that. So if you're not, if you if you weren't scanning each panel avidly looking for an Easter egg, <laughs> I wasn't looking for. it. To me, it jumped out. Uh, to some people, it may jump out, but it was a huge visual cue. It's like, okay, that last page reveal, 
uh, you kind of revealed it three or four pages ahead of time. But I, I thought it was generally enjoyable. Again, as somebody coming in who has, beyond the second issue, really hasn't read any of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, okay, well, I, I'm intrigued enough. Maybe I'll, because I think we have the first trade in the house. Yep. I'll go back and... We have a couple trades, I think, at this point. Yeah, go back and, and flip through and uh, try to gloss through Big Steve King's... Uh, Comics writing isn't for everybody. Oh, I know. I swear to God, I've said before, we're the only two people in any level of the comics press who have no ambition whatsoever to write comic books. I, yeah. Anything longer than a dick joke, I'm really lost. Yeah, I I, I don't even know. I, I can't write anything longer than my own name. Um. <laughs> Not true, but I, I know with my personal failings. And if they want something written you know, from a first-person narrative um, girl that will only sound like my voice, um, <laughs> then they can... I have all kinds of pitches that I won't be able to come up with endings to. Uh <laughs> Warren Ellis has been making a living in that. <laughs> it's a not the point. girl part, but it doesn't matter. I'll learn to write in prison after I <laughs> kill the motherfucker that fucked up my car. It's probably as good a place to end as any. Yes, you'll find your frog. I'll find my frog. <laughs> if there's anything else that we... Uh, I think, that talk about now I, that I think that covers it. I think that covers it. Wallowed horribly in misog- misogyny and ro- romantic comedies. and People of the internet, don't wear stupid t-shirts that will cause unnecessary ire. What's Women, it? don't put up with that shit. Yeah, don't, be, don't be an <laughs> asshole. Like what you like. And if somebody else likes it, maybe you can actually talk to them instead of being preemptively a dick. Yes. Just yeah, Don't be a, be a dick in the privacy of your own home. If you feel the need to preemptively shut people down because poor you and you're the victim of your own story or the hero of your own story, please stay in your basement. <laughs> Said the two people doing a podcast. <laughs> we are not in a basement. We are on the second floor. That's true. All There's right, a window. Safe. I can see sunlight. <laughs> Let's go out in that sunlight and find some booze. Yay! All right. So this has been a... Uh... Episode 12 of the uh, Crisis on Infinite Food Lives podcast. What the fuck do we call this one again? We call this the... Um... The groin kick of empathy. Yes. So uh, thank you for listening. We are going to continue to try to do this weekly, uh, usually on Sundays, but otherwise eh, it'll show up. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yep. Yeah, thanks for listening. And you're